Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to preach today. I did want to tell you just a little bit. Um, Pastor, you may know this. Jesus and I have a lot in common. I'm 33 years old. My blood type is O negative, so it is a universal for everybody. And if I take too long today and your kids get squirming, you're going to be yelling, crucify him. I do want to tell you a little bit about myself today um, and really speak to you more from a matter of my heart than an outline, if that's all right. And I hope to not be too long. So my wife and I, Melanie, have been married for almost 12 years next month. We have three wonderful children, uh, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, two-year-old. For many years now, I have been in the banking industry. I manage a bank. Um, Last year, my dad and I had this harebrained idea that we were going to start a little business that has become actually pretty pretty busy. Uh, So we have a uh, residential and commercial pressure washing business. And then also uh, spend the time here um, leading with a lot of help our children and youth ministry. And I can tell you, I say that to tell you this, uh, I know what busy looks like. I know what uh, it means to not have a lot of time. I know what it means to be rushed. Uh, So I I tell you that to say this also. um, The folks that get such a bad rap today, those millennials, well, I are one. Um. The, the folks that uh, definitely get the rap of being uh, uh, lazy, they don't want to work for anything, uh, they don't know how to live without technology, um, they think that the world should be handed to them on a silver platter. I don't blame you for not liking them. I don't really like them either. So what I'm going to tell you today is going to be a little bit surprising considering my age and my background that I am a millennial that you would expect a sermon like this to come from someone like pastor but probably not from someone like me. But can I tell you today that this idea of family, we've lost it. We've lost it. The family and the family unit's job in the church has so much changed and faded over the years. And, and some of you probably have seen it as a slow change, and for some of us it has been uh, a very fast change. But let me give you some, some statistics. What I'd like to do today is do three things. One, identify the problem. Number two, let's get to the root of that problem. And number three, let's find a solution. So number one, here's the problem. The problem is only about 20% of Americans attend church regularly. And as the old adage goes, only about 10 to 20% of those do all the work and are actively involved. 20% of Americans regularly attend church. Now, I'm going to say some things today that are just very blunt honest. Please don't uh, get mad at me, uh, but I do just want to be open and honest and speak from my heart today. Because we need to change. We need to change. Almost half of all marriages today will end in divorce or separation regardless of age. In 2018, there were roughly 11 million single-parent households with children under the age of 18. That's not 11 million kids. That's households, folks. And 80% of those are single mothers. This idea of the family and the family unit and everybody's role and how God designed it to be is so fractured and dismembered that we don't really know where we're at. We're just floundering around and we wonder what's wrong with our world today. 
You see, I'm going to start here and say, what happened with us in church? Well, here's what happened with us in church is we stopped holding people accountable to walk with God. We became too afraid to offend and call out, and we became just this corporate togetherness that's not, that, that the relationships go wide, but they don't go deep. And we begin to put up our guards, and we got so distracted about the, with the world around us and everything that's happening in it. You see, in the 1950s and 60s, the church was the center of culture. Everything, I mean, think about it. Think about it back then. There were businesses that didn't even open on Sunday, Pastor. I can remember when I was a teenager, reluctantly our football coach let us out just in time to make it to church. But he did let us out. No one worries about the church. And here's what happened. We lost our voice. We got very easily swain because of a lot of different reasons, and we're going to talk about that today. In my role, I've had a, a great opportunity to talk with a lot of young guys um, and ladies about marriage. And this is what I hear from people, uh, not just my age, but this is what I hear, right? Uh, because, Pastor, I can tell you this, people don't know how to be married anymore. People don't know how to be married anymore. Right? So, I did a wedding recently. And in the wedding, right, you know the scripture. It's in every one of them, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. This is the stuff fairy tales is made out of, ladies and gentlemen. Love is patient. Love is kind. The first two verses are great. And then it says, love is not easily angered. And we're tuned out by then. Love keeps no record of wrongs, right? We don't keep score. No, no. You remember that one time when you, mm -hmm, yeah. Love never fails. But it's funny because love fails a lot. So what happened? I don't think people know how to be married anymore because the truth is love is patient, love is kind. But love is work. Love is a commitment. Love is frustrating at times. Love is compromise. Love is not a Nicholas Sparks book. But we've lost the ability to, to have that because I, have, I hear people all the time and they're like, well, you know, Brandon, I, just, I don't think it's working out with me and my wife because she is just terrible with money. So? Well, what'd you do? You know? Well, we just can't get along. We just want different things. Well, there's your problem. You want different things. Right? It's together. The two become one. Our children have lost the want to to come to church. Now, I said I was going to say some things that are probably going to be a little harsh, but just hear me out. Okay? I hear this all the time. Why people don't bring their kids to church. Well, they don't, I mean, they just don't have any friends there. So, well, they're just, they're tired. They had sports. 
I mean, they, they got a lot of studying to do. They've got, they've got chores to do. They're playing travel ball. They're doing this and they're doing that. And, and this is what we think. We think that if we bring our kids and swoop them in one Sunday or one Wednesday a month, that, like, there's this magic sauce that we give them, and they just all of a sudden begin to make great decisions and follow Jesus. That's just not how it works. That's just not how it works. I've had parents tell me that um, they just don't, they just can't get it. They don't want to come, right? Let me ask you a question. How does that work? Let's say they tried that with school. They woke up in the morning and they say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm not eating breakfast. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to have six donuts for breakfast. I'm going to chug a two-liter of Mountain Dew. And then I think I'm going to skip my first three classes because I just really don't like the teacher. She really just doesn't give me, she doesn't get me. She doesn't give me that feel-good vibe. And I really don't like the way she fixes her hair. And quite frankly, you know, I just think I want to do something else. I mean, how would that work out? But that works for church. Interesting. I think we would all agree today. Right? If you said the greatest asset you have are your kids, we love them. We would give everything for them. We want the best for them. And, and here's the thing. I don't think any of us are bad parents. I just think we do the wrong thing with the best of intentions. I think that we think that giving our 14-year-old a voice is a good idea. That's not a good idea. They don't know what's best for them. There's a reason they cannot vote for presidential elections. Well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I, don't, I want him to want to come to church. Well, I don't want to go to work. But I'll be there in the morning. I would love to lay in bed till about 10. Go play golf or go fishing or do whatever. I, I would love to not have to go to work and have no responsibility. But that's just not the way the world works. And our responsibility as parents is to raise those kids and to get them ready for life. Because that stuff's just not going to fly when they go to work one day and they go to college one day. Because that's how we were raised, Right? Right? had a guy one time, he said, yeah, growing up, my parents were preachers, and I had a really bad drug problem. They drug me to church every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. I had a drug problem. They're going to fight you on it. But let me tell you something. Those kids and those, um, those teenagers, they need youth group more than you, or, and children's ministry more than you think they do. You need church. One of the problems why church attendance is so bad is because of technology. And I am all for technology. But here's what we have led ourselves to believe. We've, we've bought into the lie, Pastor, that, well, I can just sit at home in the comfort of my lazy boy and I can watch church on TV. Hey, that's not why we come to church. You're right, you can get... Any kind of worship you want sitting right there at home. And you're right, you can get any preaching you want sitting right there at home. But that's not the biggest benefit for you being here. 
The biggest benefit for you being here and your child being here is to come in with a great attitude and to love on each other and to have a real meaningful relationship with other believers that when you're going through your darkest hour that you have people there with you. You're not going to get that on a live stream. It's in, guess what else you can't do? You can't do any work. God gifted you and gave you abilities for you to do more than sit in that chair. And you cannot do those if you're not involved and invested, being the key word, in a local church. You've got to be here. Now, that's step one. Step one is, is, is getting here, staying married. Being with your kids. Raising them up. But can I tell you that just showing up for work is not going to let you know. It's not going to be enough. If you just show up for work tomorrow, but you're lazy and you put forth no effort, you're not going to be employed there very long. And then you're going to be like in the boat with pastor where, hey, honey, I love you a whole lot, but I ain't got no money to give you. Let me tell you how that would fly at my house. Melanie say, uh, you better wear out them shoes and go find yourself another job. So not only do you have to be here and be present in your relationship with God, okay, but you got to come in here with a real good attitude. Not come in here, plop down in a seat and go, I don't like the music. Bless me if you can. I mean, I showed up. I didn't want to, but I'm here. You need to be engaged and giving and serving and with the right attitude that you want to grow, invested in your relationship with God. Because I'm going to tell you this. Men, you're supposed to lead your household, right? Are you worth following? What is it the old saying goes, if you think you're a leader, start walking. If you turn around and nobody's behind you, just out for a walk. Right? You've got to lead. You've got to pursue God. Because let me tell you this, if you just show up and you think that your student or your child or anybody else that's kind of under your watch, if you think that they are going to supersede your relationship with Christ, you are telling yourself a lie. They're not going to supersede where you are. They're going to follow after you. And I know it happens. And be careful when you go home and when you're disgruntled and you don't like something like today when you're like, well, I didn't like what he said. Okay? When you go home and you're at lunch and you say something negative about something that happened in your church, remember who's listening. Because I have had students before that come up to me and say, well, I don't want to do this because so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And I'm thinking, there's no way you came up with that on your own. You heard that somewhere. So you can't just say it. You have to live it. You have to do it. In your marriage, now I'm going to say something that is going to shock some of you. 
I don't care how long you've been married. Your marriage supersedes your relationship with your kids. If you want to stay married, it better. You better not, guys, don't stop dating her. She'll tell you. Okay? Don't stop dating her. Love her. Because let me tell you this. Guys, how you treat your wife, your kids are watching. And your sons are going to think, that's how I'm supposed to treat my wife based on how my dad treats my mom. And ladies, how you treat your husband is the same way. And how dads, how your daughters see you treat her is what she's going to accept is okay in her own life. I hear people say all the time, well, you know, I'm just going to work on me, and, and I'm gonna, I just want to be the best parent I can be. Then be the best husband that you can be, and fight like you're dying for your marriage, and make it work. You see, we haven't talked much at all about the solution. But here's all the problems where we are is we've gotten so complacent with everything. Complacency is the cancer for your soul. You have to parent on purpose. I know it's easier to give them a device sometimes, okay? I know it's easier to do those things. But let me tell you who's parenting your kids. TV, YouTube, all this social media, that's who's parenting our kids today. There are things that kids know they have no business knowing about. And it's because we are just too lackadaisical to parent because it's tough. Because you work all day and you come home and you're tired and you go, can't I just sit down in my recliner and watch TV for a while? No, you're a parent. You're a husband. You're a wife. You can't just roll over and quit. There is no easy street, but it is worth it. It's worth it. Because you are molding a future. You're molding the future every day in your home. And we say, well, kids these days, they have no, uh, they, they have no um, ability to have a conversation with people. And all they want to do is play video games and all that stuff. There's this new app on your phone that says how much time you look at your phone every day. I wonder what yours looks like. That wasn't something that they just picked up on their own. We're guilty as well. We're guilty as well. So what's the solution? How, how do we fix these things? Because, see, here's what's happened. People are very, they try to be a casual Christian. There is no such thing as a casual Christian. Revelations, the church at Laodicea, you not? Hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. And he doesn't have real nice things to say about that. There's no such thing as a casual Christian. There's no such thing as a once a month kind of Sunday Christian. You're either all in or you're not. And your kids know the difference. Now, I told you, I understand. Listen, there's a lot of things you can make more of. You can make more money. You can get more things, but you cannot make more time. So you say, gosh, Brandon, how? I mean, I understand what you're saying, and it's good and all, 
But I just don't, we just don't have time. We're just so busy. We just have so much going on. I get that. I get that. So I told you, I got three kids, three jobs. Okay? I know what busy looks like. I understand. But we still have to, there's only one way it works. See, here's what happens. We, we, we instead of having church being the foundation and our relationship with God like it once was in the 50s and 60s, it is now the last thing that goes in. With whatever time I have left. You know why I think that is? Because I think it's not so easy to not show up to work because you have to come face to face with that boss. So you have to perform. You have to come face to face with that spouse. Face to face with those kids. And then we have all those things that we just want to do. But the reality is it's easy to tell the preacher no. And it's easy because God himself doesn't come down in human form and we have to look him in the eye and say, I'm sorry when putting you last. I don't have time for you. I just don't have time for you. Can I tell you, it's never going to work that way. It is exhausting. Read, if you've got Matthew chapter 6, verses, verse 33. This is what it says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Point. Seek his kingdom. That means come to church. And his righteousness means keep working on yourself. Keep developing yourself. It's just showing up is not enough. And all these other things will be given to you as well. See, this is not something new. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, Moses was up on Mount Sinai and he was having a little conversation with the Lord. And God gave him uh, the ten best practices. Gave him the ten, uh, the top ten Google suggestions. Commandments. And he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Not because he's just jealous, but because he knows that you won't be filled if you do. Now, the Bible says that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the law plus grace that was given to us because God wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. What does abundantly mean? Okay? Abundantly is if I don't get on a diet, how these pants fit right now. Abundantly is full. You ever felt full? I mean, so full that you just ate and ate and ate, and you're like, oh, I'm so, I could not eat another bite. I am so satisfied. I'm so full. That's a good feeling. And God wants us to feel that way all the time. Let me, let me give you a little bit of an example here, okay? So in this jar here, this clear jar... I promise every time I preach it doesn't start with a clear jar, but this one does too. Clear jar. Now this jar represents your life, and inside this jar is all of the time and energy that you have. The love you have, the energy you have, the time that you have. This is all the room that you have. You can't buy more. You can't earn more. This is it. 
This is all you have. And I think we know that. We, we, we know this is all that I have. And so we're constantly concerned with, well, i got to have my needs and my wants. Now, for some of you, let, let, me, let me put this in perspective. Let me tell you the difference between a need and a want. If I were to get you in a helicopter right now and take you with nothing but the clothes on your back to the other side of Chihaw Mountain, in about six hours you'll know the difference between need and want. All right? Needs. So these, these rocks here, they're firm. They're strong. They represent foundation. The Bible says that Jesus was the chief cornerstone, the most important thing. So when we live our lives and fill up our time the way that God would have us to do that, then what happens is, is we begin to put in the right things first the way that God intended for it to be. And we put in our relationship with God, going to church, uh, learning about God, developing good relationships. Then we begin to really work on our marriage because God's got to be first if you want to have a good marriage. And so then we start working on our marriage and making sure that we're being a, a good spouse and that we understand what makes our spouse tick and that we're giving them everything uh, that they want. Then we realize that, hey, we've got some things that we have to do as parents to raise these children in a godly way to teach them how to maneuver through life. And when bad storms come, that they'll be able uh, to make it through. And here's the thing. Would you say that's full? I mean, that's pretty full. That's pretty full. Now, that's the most important things. Those are the things that are critical components of your life. For you to be full and heavy and happy, right? But then I have a lot of people say, well, but I mean, you don't understand, Brandon. We've got my kids. I think my kid's going to be the next Tiger Woods. So we got to be on the golf course all the time, or we got to be playing travel ball and baseball and all that. So what about all that stuff? Does that stuff not matter to God? Yeah, it matters to God. And here's sand. This sand represents those next things, right? It, it, it represents uh, your career path, okay? What kind of job that, that you're going to have and um, what kind of house you're going to live in and what kind of um, retirement you're going to have and uh, where your kids are going to go to college and all those things. Now, interestingly enough, look at that. It was all room for all of it. Because it's interesting when you have the ability to put the right things in first, the other things just seem to find a place for you. Now would you say that this life is full? See, this is what a full life is supposed to look like. If you put the sand in first... Best of luck to you getting all those rocks in. Because here's what's going to happen. You put all the sand in first, and something's going to be left out. And it's either going to be your relationship with God. It's going to be your marriage. It's going to be you getting involved in the church. It's going to be being the right kind of parent that you want to be, but you just don't have the time to be because you were too worried about your career, where they're going to go to college, making sure that they're playing travel ball, and everything else. All that stuff is good, and it's important. But sometimes God says, listen, I need you to, change, to, to exchange good things for great things. Amen?
And you say, that's great, that's great. You could be pretty happy. But what about all those other things? Like the really, really fun things. Like the boat, the house on the lake, the traveling. What about all that, Brandon? There's no room for that. Well, it's interestingly because this water here represents all of the extra stuff. It represents all of the the things that are just the cherry on top in life. And you say, well, that's great, but I don't think there's room in there for that. Well, that's funny because when you do it the right way, now notice you got to pour it kind of slow, okay, because it's got to have time to seep in there. You can't grab ten hobbies at one time. But as you continue to put that in there, slowly but surely over time, it's going to seep down in there, and you're going to be full of joy. Everything in your life has a place. Everything has a value. What I'm asking you to do today is not to devalue the most precious things that you have. Because you need them. You need those foundational, the rocks that are in there. Because let me tell you this. These kids are worth it. Your marriage is worth it. This church is worth it. The plan that God has for your life is worth it. But it's never going to work other but in that order. So my prayer today is that you would kind of look at your own life and say, I know what I got to do. Do you know what commitment is? Commitment is having that feeling to do something great, but continuing to do it after that that feeling has gone away. Knowing it's right, even when the feeling to do it has passed. So what I'm asking you today is would you commit with me that we'll reshuffle our priorities? That we would invest in our relationship with God more. That we would invest in this church more, with your time, with your energy. Would you invest in your marriage more? Will you get your kids here? Well, they don't want to come. Yeah, I know. But they're better for it. I promise you they are. They're better for it than not coming. Because they're going to be influenced one way or the other. And I believe if we will do that, and we will... You know what? Here's the thing. We're not going to be able to go back to 1950 and 1960, Pastor. The world is a different place than it was today. But we do not have to give in 
to culture and what society has done. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Last verse. Simple. If you love me, keep my commands. Don't have any other gods before me. Get things in the right order. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else will be added to you. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that values children and values family. But it's great that we value it, but then we've got to embrace it and live by it. Can we do that together? Can we, can we embrace that? Can we grab a hold of this with both hands as a church body and commit to that? Because I believe that God can do great things when we do. But I believe that one of the biggest things that we're facing is complacency. And we don't have any reason to change our priorities. I challenge you to change your priorities today. Would you stand? What I would like to do, Pastor, if it's alright. I, like, um, I, I would like for us to pray... Uh, over our kids and over their families. Anybody who's raising a child. Because the truth is, in today's world, there are grandparents, there are foster parents, there are aunts and uncles raising kids, and you are just as much of a parent because that, that child needs you. They need you. And you need God's help and God's prayer and the backing of this church. So what I'd like to do is I would like to ask, it won't take but just a moment, but I'd like to ask for all of the families, if you've got children under the age of 18 and they're in here with you or whether they're not in here with you, would you just kind of come down here and, and can we just pray over you and then we're going to just, let's just kind of fill in behind them. Don't be shy. It's Sunday. Everybody showered today. <laughs> and church family, those of you that can't, can we just surround these that are down here and just pray over them, believing together? That we would shift our focus back to our families in the biblical way that God intended for it to be. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we love you today. 
God, we are so grateful for your love. We're so thankful that you never give up on us. God, I pray this morning that you would be with every family that's represented here. God, that you would be with every dad, every mom, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, every foster parent. Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, put a burning desire inside of them to chase after you first. God, I pray that you would strengthen their marriage. And God, that from that it would overflow into those children. God, that we would be the kind of parents, Lord, that you called us to be. That we would raise these children up in the ways of the Lord. Because we know that when they are grown, they will not depart from it. Lord, we trust you. It's an act of faith this morning that we, that we say we're going we're gonna to parent and we're going to love and we're going we're gonna to chase after you out of faith. Because we're unsure of what the outcome will be, but we trust you. God, I pray that you would bless this church, that you would bless our pastor. God, and that you would just grow this congregation, Lord. Let them know us by our love, God. Now, Lord, I pray for the rest of this day, God, that you would be with these families, Lord, as they spend the day together, Lord, and, and as they grow together. And Lord, I pray that you would just anoint the service tonight, Lord, where we celebrate kids and Lord, we talk about faith and letting go of our fears, God, and, and embracing our faith to follow you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you've done in us today. Thank you for challenging us to get our priorities in the right order. In Jesus' name.